This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Well, having seen the economy go south for several years, one would think that the millennial generation would be able to stash away some savings. But for many people in that group, the heavy debt that they carry from student loans, as well as the weaker-than-expected jobs market right now, is crippling their ability to build up savings for later in life. But can it turn around, and how long would it take? There are lots of questions that will need need to be answered over the next several years. To help us in the near term, we're joined by an old friend, Mark Zandi, who is the chief economist at Moody's Analytics based outside of Philadelphia. Mark, great to talk to you again. Uh, hi, Dan. Good morning. Uh, there, obviously, we're in a spot right now that we have several problems that are all coming together at the same time, which are, or which are really factoring into this problem, correct? Yeah, I, of course, millennials have had a tough go of it. They uh, have started off in the labor force at a particularly bad time, the recession, uh, very severe, very weak recovery. So kind of behind the financial eight ball right from the beginning, uh, many couldn't get jobs when they graduated, so they stayed decided to stay in school longer. And and uh, that's the right thing to do, uh, but, you know, they uh, took on more debt as a result, student loan debt, and, and now, you know, that's coming due, and, and, and that's a problem. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so they've, they've had a very difficult time, a uh, very difficult go of it. Obviously, the, the, the college loan issue is a big one. Is it the biggest problem for millennials right now? Well, I think the biggest problem is jobs. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it's been very tough to get a job. It's getting better. Uh, the job market has much improved over the past uh, couple of years, and all the trend lines look uh, look pretty good. So I think prospects are good. Uh, but the the number one uh, problem for most millennials, um, you know, over the last five six years has been, you know, can I get a job? And even when they do get a job, uh, until recently, the the pay was uh, relatively low. Uh, certainly not what uh, people before them were getting. So there's some catch up going on now. Some millennials, because of the tightening labor market, are starting to get some bigger pay increases, trying to catch, starting to catch up. Uh, but uh, there's still a long way to go for them. So student loan debt's a problem, uh, uh, but the, uh, the number one problem is is jobs. We're talking with Mark Zandi of Moody's Analytics. You can join us in the conversation, one eight four four wharton one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number. Now, a, a study that uh, Moody's had done uh, talked about, uh, as we wanted to speak to you about, the savings rate for millennials, which is actually in the red right now because of Obviously, the, the financial issues that they're having and because of the student loan problems and because of the fact that uh, the job, uh, the growth of, of wages hasn't been there for the last couple of years. Yeah, that's right. The, actually, uh, the, uh, they're the only age group that has, an, at this point, a, a, a negative saving rate. So they're spending beyond their income, uh, borrowing money or using other assets to uh, finance spending that is uh, – greater than their income, so it's negative. Well, one thing I would put, point out, though, is it's not atypical for young people in their 20s sure. and early 30s to not save very much or even dissave. So, you know, if you, when I was in my 20s and 30s, my, I'm the baby boom generation. Yep. My saving rate, our saving rate, the baby boom generation saving rate, at the same point 
in, in our life cycle in the 20s and early 30s, we, we also had a negative saving rate. So it's not you know, particularly unusual for that. Time. It's not great, obviously. It would be yeah. better if they were saving. But, it, you know, it's not like it's something that hasn't happened historically. And, and as you mentioned, uh, all the other uh, sectors that, uh, in terms of like Gen Xers and baby boomers uh, at least do have a positive rate right now. And I guess this is a situation where, as you alluded to a little bit briefly, um, it, it, as we see job growth get better uh, over the next couple of years and we see the amount of money that these jobs are producing, all of these savings rate will get better. But it, it's just a process right now, and it is a long one. Yeah, that that's very true. Uh, you know, we also collect data from uh, ADP, which is uh, one of the nation's – well, it is the nation's largest – uh, payroll processor. So we have information based on 24 million employees, and we can cut the data by age uh, of the worker. And it is encouragingly showing uh, a pickup in uh, job growth and, and and wage growth among younger worker, workers. In fact, that's where the strongest job and wage growth is at this point. It's among those younger workers. So that is encouraging. You know, obviously, these folks are, have started in a, in a deep hole. Uh, so even with these strong uh, wage gains and employment gains, it's going to take a while for them to get out of that hole. But at least uh, we've started the climb. Yeah, and obviously if the fact that we went through the recession uh, really did put them behind the eight ball. I mean, college costs aside, uh, the recession and the effects of it for the last couple of years afterward have just been a, a, a rather large, large mountain for everybody to climb, let alone millennials. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just uh, very, very uh, difficult period uh, since the recession hit back in uh, 2007, 2008. But uh, no group has gotten hurt worse than uh, our 20-somethings and early 30-somethings, the millennials. They they really got nailed. And, you know, one uh, disconcerting historical fact is that uh, your uh, the wage you receive at your first job goes a long way to determining what your total earnings will be over your lifetime. So, hmm. you know, even with catch-up, it uh, may very well be the case, if history is a guide, that, uh, you know, the millennial group may not earn as much as, you know, other demographic groups just because they started at a very, very difficult time. Right. And, and obviously one of the other parts, the problems that the millennials are having to deal with, especially those that, that are getting into these uh, full-time positions that do uh, offer a decent wage, is the fact that the baby boomer generation, a lot of those people are staying in their jobs longer, which obviously does cut back on the upward mobility, which that ends up being a, a, a big problem in terms of that wage growth, those earnings potential that you were talking about. Yeah, you mean me, right, Dan? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and me, too. Yeah, right. Those young guys are saying, what the heck? When's that Zandy going to leave? Uh, yeah, I'm sure, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I mean, if you look at the uh, labor force participation rate, you know, that's uh, the proportion of the population that's uh, in the workforce uh, by age, uh, the, the only age group for which it has been rising has been those over the age of 55. And, of course, the... That's the baby boom generation, right? So, you know, that's the teeth of the baby boom generation right there at 55 years old. So, yeah, that is that is an issue, a problem. The, the boomers are, uh, you know, scrambling uh, to get it together as they approach retirement. In fact, it, another interesting uh, factoid that comes out of the saving rate data, the boomers uh, were big dis savers. You know, our generation, sure. we, we were freewheeling, spending a lot. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes you know, we still are. <laughs> we, well, interestingly enough, the saving rate uh, for this group, the boomer group, jumped in the recession. No surprise there. But yeah. it has remained at a very high level since. So 
you may, maybe we've been scared straight. I mean, and, and appropriately so because we're fast approaching, you know, uh, retirement and, and we need to save. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with Mark Zandi, uh, chief economist of Moody's Analytics and providing a little levity every, every once in a while when we can stick it in as well. Uh, unfortunately, there hasn't been a, a lot of levity where a lot of this is concerned. Uh, and I guess in some respects, what we've seen with millennials uh, really has also had, Can you, is it easy to say that there is a correlation between what we've seen with millennials and uh, the housing slowdown we've seen over the last couple of years as well? Yeah, I think there's some evidence of that. Uh, you know, of course, uh, most people buy their first home when they're in their late 30s, you know, sure. somewhere between 35 and 40. So, you know, the millennials aren't quite there yet. But I think what's happening is that the leading edge, edge of the millennials, those that are in their early uh, and mid-30s, just aren't quite as well prepared uh, financially. And yeah. so they're not stepping up and buying that home at 35, 36, they're, they're going to wait till they're older and have uh, you know more time to save for the down payment and get their credit score in order and everything else. Yeah. So yeah, I think there is some evidence. The other thing, other uh, suggestive data uh, indicates that that student loans are having an impact. So, and it, it, this is conflating with some change in the mortgage rules uh, that actually took effect beginning this year. Uh, lenders now have to look very closely at uh, people's debt-to-income ratio and calculating whether they can get a mortgage. And if you have student loan debt, they're finding that, you know, you're blowing through those debt-to-income ratio criteria and unable to qualify for a mortgage. So for the first time, uh, it looks like uh, the student loan uh, debt is uh, constraining the ability of uh, uh, millennials uh, to, uh, to to uh, buy their first home. And obviously those type of debts with the amount of money that you're talking, you're, you're not talking about a repayment of these loans in a year or two or three. You're talking 10 years in a lot of cases to be able to get these college loans paid off just because of one, the amount of money that you have to borrow in a lot of cases these days, and two, the amount of wages that you actually have coming in. The the, the math, unfortunately, is not computing here. Yeah, that, that is very true. And uh, you know, compounding that is that problem is, is the fact that a lot of the kids uh, uh, didn't graduate, right? So sure. they, yeah. they they stayed in school uh, when they couldn't find a job. Uh, went on to get a higher degree, did the exact right thing. The returns yeah. to higher education are very high, uh, still are, uh, despite the higher tuitions. It's still, you know, slam dunk investment for, for everyone. If you But you have to graduate. If you don't graduate, uh, then the, the, you don't get those returns. You don't get the higher wages, but you have the debt, and that's a really tough place to be. And so we have, unfortunately, a growing proportion of our of our kids, our millennials, you know, stuck in that uh, kind of situation. So that that's a real problem. I'll throw one little bit of news that actually I just got on my uh, on my email uh, from the National Association of Realtors, which I'm sure you'll probably will see uh, in the very near future, is that uh, existing home sales rose for October and, and year over year levels for the first time in a year. Uh, there are uh, the levels now are above year over year levels for the first time in the year, which, you know, obviously it's a little bit off of, of the millennials, what we we're talking about. But in the economy in general, we all realize that housing plays such an important role in really growing what we have and what where we need to go. Yeah, I saw the data. It's, it's not too bad. Uh, you're, you're right. It seems like we're kind of making our way back uh from uh, going flat here in the housing market over the last year and a half. Yeah. I, I think that the, the big reason 
for this recent uh, improvement is uh, lower mortgage rates, right? So yeah. the, the fixed 30-year fixed rate mortgage averaged just about 4% in the month of October, which is, you know, right back down to, you know, almost record lows. So sure. I think that's getting people back into the market. And, you know, adding adding uh, to it is that, the as we've been discussing, the job market is better. So sure. unemployment's lower. We're getting more jobs that the... the uh, the pay incre- the uh, the uh, job growth is uh, broad based across pay scales, so everything is coming together, and hopefully we will see housing kick into a higher gear because that is, as you point out, so key to the broader economy. If you'd like to ask a question of Mark Zandi, here's your opportunity. One of the best economists out there for Moody's Analytics, one eight four four Wharton, one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. In terms of the overall economy shifting a little bit away from from the millennials for a second. Obviously, we've seen the job growth kind of pick up, and it's been over 200,000 now with the uh, revisions, I think, for, what, eight out of the last nine months, I think, at this point. Everybody said when when this whole process started, and I remember talking to you at my former position, that we needed to see everybody put that number of 250, 250,000 jobs a month. In the end, is that number still kind of the target number, or are the expectations even a little bit lower at this point? Say, you know, if we continue to see 220, 230 in terms of thousands per month, then that's the kind of growth we should expect and hope for right now with the economy? Yeah, 250, 250,000 jobs a month, that, that's boom times. Yeah. Uh, any, any, if you're 215 above, that's, you know, that's about as good as it ever gets. 225, that's the average job growth per month over the past three, six, 12, really even 24 months. It's been pretty consistent. Yeah. That's pretty good by historical standards. And at that pace of job growth, unemployment and underemployment will decline and, and, and are declining very, very rapidly. In fact, uh, you know, if we just maintain the current pace of job growth and assuming stable labor force participation, uh, we will be back to full employment no later than two years down the road. I mean, that, that's still a long way down the road, but sure. th- 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 we've come a long way. And uh, all the trend lines look very good here. The, the other thing that's going to happen pretty soon, which will be very encouraging, is wage growth. Because unemployment and underemployment are declining, yeah. the labor market is getting tight enough that we are going to start to see some acceleration in wage growth. Wage growth has been dormant no more than the rate of inflation. Yeah. But that's about to change, I think. And if, if I'm right, you know, by next spring, summer, uh, that would be, you know, a very positive development, help housing, help consumer spending, help the economy and ensure that we do get back to full employment. And, and obviously it would also help that we don't have a winter like we like we had last oh. winter as well. Oh, yeah. Well, that would help if we didn't. I mean, that that was brutal and it kind of, you know, that uh, certainly knocked us off course for a little bit. Uh, we, we got right back on track, but uh, it would be nice if we didn't have to, you know, especially – heard you talking about buffalo yeah that doesn't migrate down here into philadelphia yeah i i i yeah, you know i've got a couple friends up there and and it, it's just scary to see the pictures uh, from up there but uh, you know hey they're used to that yeah they're not used to six feet at one shot yeah. most of the times but <laughs> right. but in general right. but 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 those types of, of events and obviously we talked about it uh, last year uh when you have massive storms like we saw over a a three month stretch uh, the early part of this year, kind of put a tangible effect, if you can, on the economy as a whole, because uh, everybody kind of saw the GDP number for the first quarter was in negative territory. But I, I don't know if if you really true get a true understanding of what that meant because of the weather problems. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty unusual, brutal. I mean, uh, it, it, just 
I couldn't get to work, right? So, and you know, I didn't have power, so yeah, I didn't, so I, I, I couldn't work at home. I thought uh, you had a sled to get you to work. The, 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 you, you had the, you were the musher. Right, right. It was a real, real mess. So uh, hopefully that's a one in a lifetime kind of event. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, although we we do need to start focusing a little bit on climate change and what that all means. But hopefully sure. we don't go through that again. A lot of people have talked about about some of the things that that we need to see to really start to get growth. And one of the topics that's been brought up uh, has been uh, the, the corporate tax rate and whether or not we can get a change in the corporate tax rate through Congress to be able to allow some of these countries to, in some respects, repatriate uh, the, the profits that they're making overseas at a lower tax rate to help the economy. Is that a phys- is that realistic at this point, or is that so far off that we shouldn't even really consider it? Well, I think it's possible. Uh, I, I don't think I would make that uh, part of my base case scenario. I mean, I, I don't. I think it's less than likely, but I wouldn't rule it out. Um, I, I mean, more broadly, though, I think uh, corporate tax reform uh, is necessary, and I, and I do think. There's kind of broad bipartisan support for that. Simply closing some of the loopholes in, in the corporate tax code, and there are many, and using the revenue to lower the uh, tax rate for all all corporations. Uh, so I think that principle is uh, there's a lot of agreement around that principle. You yeah. know, obviously it's difficult to execute on that, uh, given there's a lot of winners and losers when you do that. Sure. Uh, but ultimately, I think we'll get there. Uh, whether it's going to be this year, uh, again, less than even odds. But ultimately, I think we'll get there because the economics are pretty compelling, and they're just going to get more compelling going forward. The, the one aspect of reform you mentioned, and that is uh, trying to rationalize the way we do tax overseas earnings, yeah. that would be part of a broader corporate tax reform proposal. I, I, I don't think that that would be done uh, in isolation on its own. Sure. Uh, certainly not uh, in the next two years under the Obama administration. That I think they would, would want to use that as a, a basis for a broader corporate tax reform uh, uh, legislation. one wharton one 844 is the number if you want to join us. We're speaking with Mark Zandi, Chief Economist at Moody's Analytics. Your opportunity to ask Mark a question about the uh, the economy right now. Stefan is in Los Angeles with a question. Stefan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, I just listened to your show, and I have student loans myself right now. And uh, I find the biggest challenge is to uh, conquer the interest rate. Uh, they're as high as uh, 8% or 7.9% uh, on a student loan. That's similar to the uh, credit card rates maybe a decade ago. Um, and I, I never hear anyone addressing the interest rates when they talk about uh, helping out people with student loans. Any comments on that? Well, uh, I'm, I'm not uh, well-versed in uh, all the different uh, efforts to ease the pressure on student loan borrowers, but uh, I do know that uh, there has been uh, some legislation, and I think actually passed, this is more on new student loans, to get the rates down to be more comparable to you know broader market interest rates. Yeah. And uh, so I think if you're a new student loan borrower, uh, you are getting rates that uh, are lower uh, and more consistent with the, the very low market interest rates that exist out there. So I, I think that's the case. For an existing borrower, um, you're right. I, I'm not aware of any effort. Although I, I would think there might be, you know, ability to uh, 
uh, you, you know, you might want to think about using other uh, uh, if you have the financial capability, use other sources of debt, like a, maybe even a home equity loan, to pay that off because you, you know you can get a home equity loan at a much lower interest rate. But yeah. you know that doesn't work for everybody, obviously. But but for some, but but I think there is some thinking around that uh, to try to provide some relief in that way. But uh, I'm not as well versed in, in all yeah. the efforts that are going on in Washington. Stefan, thanks very much for sure. the call. And, and obviously, in some respects, that's a little bit of, of moving apples for oranges, unfortunately. But but I guess if if in the end, you can get the lower rate. That's the, that's the key ingredient to that. Uh, we're also, obviously, we're getting cl- very close to the holiday shopping season, which uh, will draw a lot of attention because, obviously, uh, retailers are adding a lot of uh, part-time jobs, uh, people looking for uh, you know that extra bit of pay. Uh, in terms of what you have seen from, from some of the reports, it seems like that the hiring for this year is going to be as good as it's been in the last couple of years because, in part, the expectations for sales are, are fairly good as well. Yeah, I think it should be a pretty good Christmas holiday season. I mean, all the uh, elements for better uh, buying are coming together. We've, we've got more jobs. Uh, the stock market is at a record high. Uh, in aggregate, debt service uh, burdens of households are as low as they've been in the data we have. Yep back to 1980. Uh, gasoline prices are now down quite a bit. And, you know, that's a, a very significant boost, particularly to lower and middle income households. Uh, consumer confidence as a result of all of that has improved. So people are feeling a little bit better. Um, so it feels like, uh, you know, all the ingredients are there for a pretty good Christmas holiday season. I think retailers are anticipating that and it's showing up in their hiring. So yeah, it should, it should, everything, all the all the trend lines there look pretty good. The interesting part about about that is that uh, we're talking about you know savings rates and such, and, and obviously we're, it's an interesting little balance that you have there. Is that you obviously want people to spend money obviously during the holidays and throughout the course of the year uh, to help grow the economy. But obviously, if you're spending that money and the, where the wages are right now, uh, it, it kind of takes away from your savings. So yeah, it's a, bit, a bit schizophrenic, right? I mean, yeah. In, in the near term, particularly, you know, if the economy is struggling, you want people to, you don't want people to, you know, run for the bunker and not spend because yeah. that would be very counterproductive. But in the long run, longer run, you want them to save more uh, to, you know, to prepare for buying a home and. Their kids' college, uh, their children's college education, ultimately their own retirement. So it is, it is a kind of a schizophrenic message. Uh, uh, I will say, in terms of saving, you know, we we talked about millennials having a negative saving rate. Yeah. If you look at the saving rate across all households of all ages and income groups, it's not too bad actually. It's it's five and a half to six yeah. percent. That sounds low, but by historical standards, that's not too bad. So consumers, households in general, are are saving. Uh, at a you know reasonably good rate. I, I remember reading uh, a a report a couple of years ago, and, and you may have read it as well, uh, by a, a pr- professor up at Harvard who was talking about some of the ideas that that maybe need to be put in place to help people uh, with their savings. Because obviously, w- when you have the concern of funds, uh, some people will forego like the the idea of the four hundred one k or. Uh, the IRA because they need that cash on hand, and, and one of the suggestions w- uh, was maybe making the employers uh, make the 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 savings plan mandatory as you go into the job, and then if you want to be out of it, you get out of it. I- is that even a, a, a concept that really uh, could 
be a good idea down the road or is it is it not fundamental for the companies to be able to go that far uh, into their employees operations yeah I think uh, that that kind of policy is being adopted more widely uh, in part because of those studies I mean I think people uh, behavioral economists have found that it's better to uh, uh, have people uh, uh, automatically enrolled in 401k or other savings plans and give the employee the option to opt out. Uh, And if you do that, there's a better, it's a better outcome. I I mean, they found, you know, bizarre things like, you know, companies that would match employee contributions, you know, younger people wouldn't take advantage of that. Right. And that seems completely ridiculous. I mean, it's free money essentially. And so uh, this, uh, they found that, uh, you know, requiring uh, that they participate you can you can step out if you want, but you know you're you're in it uh, automatically. Has worked out a lot better, and so I think more companies are going down that path. I haven't seen data uh, showing what percent of companies are doing this, but uh, certainly on the rise, and, sure. and, and largely in part due to well, in part due to to those kinds of studies that you mentioned. Mark, I want to thank you for your time. I know it is valuable. I know you're going to be busy now the next uh, few days. Uh, obviously, even with the Thanksgiving holiday, because the uh, everybody will start thinking about the November jobs report. Are we starting to get any kind of a feeler for for November? What we might uh, potentially see? Uh, I, I can't imagine it isn't close to that two twenty five. Yeah. Everything, all the other data suggests um, that it should be right. I mean, yeah. we got you mentioned you, uh, unemployment insurance claims they're low. Um, you know, everything points to another good, solid report. So I, I'd be surprised if it, if it isn't close to that. Of course, Mark- we always get surprised. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we do. All right. All right. Mark, thanks very much for coming on. We'll talk to you again down the road. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.